Steph. And I'm Helen. And this is our podcast. And this week we're talking about the importance of language when talking about mental health. Yeah, good topic this week, I think. We've been talking about doing this for a while, so it feels like a nice one to do. At the start of February, we survived January. Yes! That felt like a really good moment when the 1st of February came this year. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Although it was on a Monday, it felt like quite a poignant day. Yeah, (laughs) and I feel like the seasons are starting to change. It's getting a bit lighter in the morning, it's getting a bit milder. Sort of yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I'd noticed that the yeah, the evenings are definitely getting lighter and it's been a bit milder. I know like I've noticed the temperature is so random, like it can vary by like ten degrees each day. It's very odd. Yeah. So that's take that with a pinch of salt, but definitely lighter evenings. Did you get some snow the other day as well? Yeah, we got a bit, but not much, and it lasted like maybe an hour and then the rain came and it all disappeared. Oh. Because <laughs> you had quite a lot, didn't you, up there? Yeah, it's un- up there. I say up there like you're like up north. <laughs> An hour up the road. Um, yeah, no, it, it, Sunday morning, it was quite big flakes. And I think because Dave's used to um, kind of going snowboarding, he was almost like, it's almost like first lift, like we've got to get out in the snow before everyone else. <laughs> so we were straight up. <laughs> didn't even shower. Yeah, just, I, I mean, we got dressed, but just went straight out. We didn't quite go out in your pyjamas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With your little tray to slide down the slopes. <laughs> there was people doing that. There was people out jogging in it. There was people doing snowman competitions. It felt like a really good, like people were saying hello to each other. It felt different. And I think that's what people were liking, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? You're so right. It did. It felt like not a normal day. And there's not much that doesn't feel not normal at the moment, like not a bit mundane. So, yeah, a bit of white stuff. All good. How have you been? Have you had a good couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been okay. It's been good. Um, Nothing dramatic has happened as usual. Just every day is kind of the same. But yeah, no, it's all good. It's weird, isn't it? It kind of makes time go really quickly in a a weird way. Yeah, it's weird. I know we've said before because there's like kind of no markers of things that you've done that feel that kind of big or important. But yeah, no, just like cracking on really. Oh, that sounds nice. Mm. So we are talking about language. I feel like I've seen some of this talked about more on social media as well recently. I hope that we're, with everything that's happened in the last year or so, we're getting to a more compassionate place potentially. Yeah, I think so. I think that's definitely one of the... um, positives can we use that word to come out of this I think people taking more care over each other and checking in with each other is something that definitely feels like has shifted a little bit I feel like there's still quite a way to go so if you think about the kind of language we use when we think about gender and race and disability I feel like we've come on sort of leaps and bounds in those areas but maybe not quite so much when we talk about mental health um I don't really know why that is, but let's just, yeah, let's have a bit of a chat about that and see what, because I think people, you know, it's like any kind of political correctness type thing. People don't always 
know or understand it fully and then that kind of really dictates how you respond or or your understanding of it or how seriously you take it yeah and i i wonder if um we we see mental health being talked about more you see more sort of government adverts and more awareness of it but actually how to approach it and how to Mm. talk about it you don't really i don't i actually don't know whether in schools that is part of a curriculum now but it would be good if we were helped in that area yeah it would be it would be really good and I think part of it is that it still feels a bit scary doesn't it like when somebody opens up to you or you are somebody who's not okay you know how they are the response feels a bit scary if you don't if you've not had experience in it or you feel like you need to suddenly take on all of that and help and solve it for them um, or you're really worried about saying the wrong thing or not the right thing or something that's going to make them feel worse. So quite often that can make you kind of just close up and not really say anything or not respond in the right way because you don't know what that is. And understandably, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't have experience in this. Yeah, and it's, I think with being in lockdown, it's, I think I might have mentioned this in another episode connection we've talked about the importance of connection and having conversations and reaching out but there is literally that barrier in the way at the moment physically so you, mm. it feels like a bit more effort to maybe put a call in or organize a call or you can go for a walk or you know socially distance exercise with someone not in your household oh my goodness that's such a mouthful um, <laughs> <laughs> so so those opportunities are harder to come by so yeah Definitely. And I think a lot of people maybe feel like, well, we're all in the everybody's in this, everyone's struggling. So, you know, how does it how is one person different or why should I feel like I can talk about it and be struggling more than the next person when we're all in it? And, you know, everybody, I think one thing that will come out of our chat today, hopefully, is that everybody's feelings are valid and should be validated regardless of what their personal circumstances are. You are feeling the way that you were feeling right now and that's okay and you 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 know you, you can feel like that it shouldn't be a, a competition you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others but everybody's feelings are valid and how do we support those people and the language we use to remove those barriers for them to talk about it you know all of that stuff you've um highlighted as we were talking about before we got going some areas of uh kind of what we're going to chat about today and this is Mm. first one about the everyday use of language around mental health I feel like this is going to be so helpful Mm. yeah I think and again like I was just saying with you know people kind of use this term oh it's political correctness gone mad which you know there's a lot of there's a lot of do's and don'ts in the in the world of political correctness but ultimately I think it's about you putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and thinking, actually, if I was saying this or if I was in this position and I heard somebody else say that, would that be upsetting and distressing for me? And that's all it is. It's just having an awareness that that there's other people in other situations that might find something offensive or Mm. upsetting. So, and you know, everybody gets it wrong. Everyone, you know, not everybody gets it right all of the time. Um, But I think particularly with mental health, a lot of the language we use in our everyday speech and, you know, just really colloquially, oh gosh, that's one of those words I can't say. (laughs) 
we haven't had one of those for a while what's the other one visualization is one that i can never say colloquial language i'm gonna say that um is you know we we use some of these phrases really flippantly so if you think you know if you just say even something like oh so and so's gone mad so and so's behaving a bit crazy you know that actually for somebody with a mental health difficulty can be really quite insulting so and it's very difficult to suddenly say oh well, you can't use any of those terms that's you know that's not what we're saying but i think just being aware of how somebody else might feel when you use those terms in quite a flippant way yeah that's that's such a good point the the oh i'm going to try it now colloquial <laughs> colloquial <laughs> help um colloquial use of language is i think i I think I'd say, yeah, I, I don't think I know. I'm pretty sensitive as a person. Like I, I'm, I can be quite sensitive. I, I can laugh at myself, but I know I can be set very sensitive. So then I think I've always mm-hmm. thought like sometimes overly worried what I'm, what I might've said, but yeah, maybe that's not a bad thing to really consider. Um, particularly with, with mental health um, issues, I think it's, yeah it's good to to think about it and maybe what comes into this is I've been reading this book about um some stuff around mental health and they talk about a strategy I don't know if it's relevant in what we're talking about right now but it's um it's APT which is awareness planning and trying so maybe if you know you're going to be talking to someone that's is you know having a, a really difficult time maybe doing a bit of planning having that awareness before mm. is is maybe helpful yeah that's such a good point and i think we just it feels i think you're going back to what you said about the whole connection thing when you're maybe now you're communicating with people more over kind of text message or whatsapp or something that's written you can be a bit more considered in how you respond but sometimes when you're verbally talking to somebody things just come out without you really thinking too much about them. So that's a really good thing, I think, to have a bit of a plan of what you might say and have a, a bit of an idea of the things that you'd rather, you know, that you're aware that might be upsetting for them to to not say. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's when you actually start thinking about our use of language and how many, you know, you touched on kind of those words like, you know, crazy or mad or whatever, how... Mm entrenched they are in our language yeah so it's yeah it's quite you have to kind of challenge yourself really and yeah to think it do. yeah they are really entrenched and I think there's a lot of phrases we use like um OCD is a good example so people use that in a really kind of flippant way which can just actually have a real impact so for the you know quite often you hear people say oh they're so OCD because they wash their hands all the time or something like that um whereas if you if you actually have OCD it's really life limiting and distressing and actually using it in a way that almost discredits it can feel quite insulting and I think we do it because we don't understand Again, it's not, you know, if, you, if you've if never known or never experienced anybody with OCD, then some some people would think, well, that that is what it is. You know, it's about being clean or it's about needing to wash your hands or it's about having to do these things. 
Um, but I think, yeah, just not having that aware or needing to have that awareness that actually for people with serious mental health conditions, a lot of the language we use like that can can feel quite flippant and sort of trivialise their issues a little bit. And also I think um, if it becomes, if we become more aware and we in time sort of society realises that we need to be more considered, considered in our language, that will be helpful because you're not always going to know if the person you're speaking to is suffering with something so mm. it's better to to be sensitive where whenever you can really I, I guess yeah of course yeah yeah definitely and you know mental health difficulties are uh, an invisible illness they're an invisible disability and I think that's also what we forget is actually if you if you've got a mental health diagnosis that's that's classed as a disability and actually some of this language is quite discriminatory if you think of you know you wouldn't say something in on that level to um maybe a wheelchair user then you know i think people forget because you can't physically see it it's not something that you necessarily know that person is dealing with that it's it's even more important actually to just be sensitive as much as we can be i think there's some really kind of ancient ones as well that I don't think people use quite so much now but even I think even that's relatively new so if you think about things like terms like the loony bin and um get them the men with the men white coats or the men with the white coats you know all of that is it's really you know that's that's ancient <laughs> you know that's how that's goes back to you know the times when people were put in straight jackets and and put in asylums you know and actually that's something that like I said I think people use those terms less now but you still you do still hear them being used and if you use that in front of somebody who has maybe been in a, a, a hospital for their mental health you know that could be really insulting. That's so outdated now isn't it and it's such a barrier mm. to us all living more harmoniously and accepting each other and mm. understanding each other. Um, that made me think yeah. of, I think, it, was it w with women as well? There was, I, I think, I, I don't know what century, but they talked about like hysteria for women. Um, mm. Yeah, the yeah. origins of some words like hysterical. I don't, I don't know enough about it, but I think that yeah. was used in a like not very nice way about women. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think that's that's where a lot of these terms come from, isn't it? That they actually, they start to be used in in a way that isn't pleasant. And then that's how they become offensive. And that, yeah, that's definitely one of those kind of ancient words that is, <laughs> still exists in our language today because of how things were described back then. Um, and also, and just another one to sort of touch briefly on, suicide because I know that's quite a heavy topic but I think it's quite important when it comes to language like um, and this is something that absolutely is still used because again people don't fully understand it but the term committed suicide um, that was that kind of was around when sadly suicide at, at one point was a crime I think it was 1961 it was decriminalized so if you think of committing suicide the term committing suicide is almost like you've committed a crime so to kind of move away from that and use terms like died by suicide or took their own life 
if we can get to a place where more people are using that sort of language and have an understanding about what the term committed suicide means and where it comes from and how it might be offensive, um, then that's, yeah, that's the positive way to go. And I was thinking with that, like you said, it obviously it was that language was making out it was a crime, which is, again, ancient now. Mm. Um, and also when we were saying about those other older terms, it the old, other terms as well, making out like it's making the person with the illness kind of smaller, it's making them, um, mm. putting them in a victim kind of, uh, is, it, is that the right word? I don't know if I'm getting at the right word, you know, like making them, Mm. less significant in some way using those terms which is awful yeah 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 I think yeah it just it trivialize trivializes it doesn't it so it makes it more trivial the more flippantly we use this language I keep using that mm. word today flippantly <laughs> but it is a word I think that sums it up actually how we how we do use this language without mm. really thinking about the impact on others and how it it does trivialize some of those issues for people yeah so how do we um how do we use language then when supporting someone or talking to someone about their mental health mm. yeah so this is another um thing i think to think about so there's the kind of two sides of this isn't there how we use language in our everyday and then how the sort of language we're using when we're supporting somebody. And like we said at the start, it can feel really, really, really scary to support somebody or to listen to somebody who's maybe decided they're going to open up to you and they've not ever spoken to anybody before. And you're hearing all of this stuff and some of it might feel quite scary and overwhelming. And actually all you can think about is, oh my goodness, how am I meant to respond to this? Mm. Um, and I think the more people that have the confidence in knowing how to respond the more that will break down the barriers and break down the stigma and, and encourage people to reach out, even if it's not initially to a professional. If more people have this awareness to be able to then reach out to a friend or a colleague or a, or a boss, um, you know, then that's, that's, that can only be positive, right? Definitely. If we can have that mm. like sort of armory, if we can have that, those tools ready to go, um, mm. I think I might mention this Instagram post that popped up that um, when we were talking about doing this topic and quick shout out to We Are Feel Good Club. So they're on Instagram and they did this thing about five things that aren't helpful to say to someone who's struggling. I'll, mm. I'll do a couple, I'll do sort of a couple at a time because there's a few here, but um, this one is a no-go, chin up. That's just mm. Mm, not good. Um, yeah, and they've sort of written underneath that it's okay to feel down. I'm here for you. That's a better, um, you know, alternative. Mm -hmm. And then another one, uh, number two is what do you have to be sad about? What do you have to be sad about? Which again, no, it's just sort of again making it flippant and trivial. Mm. Instead, you could say that is such a valid feeling. Would it make you feel a little better to write down the things you're grateful for? So mm. that's the first couple they've put on there. Yeah, I, they're really good. And it's funny that that popped up after we decided to do this topic. I think, like you said, it's hopefully more, you know, social media is a great way to get these messages out. But that first one, kind of chin up, I think there's loads of terms we use in that area, like snap out of it, man up, which is a horrid, horrid one, <laughs> um, particularly give our 
men's mental health podcast and listen and we talk a bit more about that but that whole kind of man up image of oh well you know you're a male of why should you feel like this you just have to man up and get through it and um you know snap out of it all of those all of those things are actually really unhelpful for that person who to be fair to them has probably really tried to get their chin up and really tried to snap out of it if you want to call it that and and actually hasn't been able to so you saying that really makes Mm -hmm. them feel invalidated and that's all about validating feelings like we said this kind of topic like this swims through the whole topic it's really important that those feelings that that person is expressing are valid it's regardless of whether you think they are valid or regardless of whether you know someone that's going through something that's more difficult than what they're going through what they are experiencing is valid it's real it's true for them and you know we we should be supporting them in that rather than making them feel almost guilty for feeling that way that is such a good um description of it guilt comes in doesn't Mm. it and shame if you feel like you're shamed for having those feelings um it yeah it's doubling down and you're then beating yourself up more Mm. for feeling like that it just needs it just strikes me that you know a lot of this is about compassion when you're coming at these Mm. things and not it's yeah it's not coming at it with a and and I, I think in fairness to people, I think, I guess that those sayings have developed because if, again, this is another quite old fashioned thing to say now, but like the stiff upper lip for English mm. people is a quite a well-known thing. And I think people want to try and help and they think that mm. might be helpful or that might be how they b- were brought up or, um, yeah, it's, and, and maybe, I don't know, a control thing trying to, you know, help take a bit of control of it somehow I don't know trying to help in some way but it's just it's not the way I don't think now that that's we've Mm. learned that that's probably not it's not the best way and I just think if somebody has plucked up the courage to tell you that they're feeling this way the last thing they want to hear is for you just to dismiss it and be really dismissive and say just keep just keep your chin up it's fine it's all gonna Mm. be okay yeah, it's very difficult. And the the other the the other one that you said about what do you have to be low about or depressed about again is something I think that we need to help people to understand that it's you know at the end of the day any kind of mental health difficulty, depression, low mood, anxiety, it's not it's not discriminatory. It doesn't care whether you're rich or famous or are in a happy secure relationship or family unit you know anybody this can happen to anybody so actually from the outside looking in don't cast your own judgments on what that person's life is like if they're telling you this is how they're feeling it's not your place to tell them that they are not feeling like that that's the absolute worst possible thing that you can do the next one on these that they've posted is people have it so much worse that again is that sort of Mm. like invalidating what you're going through um Mm. and their alternative they've said is you're not alone in how you feel and I'm here to talk if you're ready to which is lovely yeah see that how that makes it feel much better doesn't it and yeah again like you say it's not it's just this whole comparison thing of well other people have it worse so and they're going to leave that conversation thinking well I don't 
I shouldn't be feeling like this because other people have it worse and that and that's just going to put the barriers right back up so they've reached out for help and they've got a, a not a very good response and then that will be it they probably won't talk to anybody else about how they're feeling because it's almost made them yeah feel like they don't deserve to feel like that and that's also is a barrier to sort of intervention as well because if someone take took some time and listened and uh you felt able to share what you're going through there might be something that comes out of that that you can start doing whether it's like a self-care habit or something you hadn't thought of Mm -hmm. like sleep or journaling or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. yeah if that's sort of pushed aside pushed down you just you know crack on like that's not yeah it's gonna bubble up isn't it yeah yeah of course yeah yeah I think um it was mentioned I think in the in the last one you said but um gratitude journaling can really help so that's not to say that's absolutely not to say other people have it worse but finding things that you're grateful for in your life and reminding yourself of those things is a really powerful tool the next one they've said is just forget about Mm. it and you'll feel better is a terrible one yeah (laughs) really terrible that's probably the worst (laughs) yeah because how Oh, it's like when you go through heartbreak, like when you go through a breakup or something and people just, you know, someone says, like, forget about it. It's like, it's not that, it's not that simple. Their alternative they've written is, you're such a strong person, you'll get through it and let me know if there's anything I can do to help or make Mm. you feel better. Yeah, that's so good. I think it's all about giving that person hope, isn't it, that things will get better. So right in that moment, they might feel that they won't get better, but you can just you know help them to believe that it will pass however long it takes it you know and time time is a healer that old catchphrase but they might not really be able to take that on board in that moment because they may have been feeling like this for a while or they may feel that that's really unrealistic for things to get better but giving them some hope that that it will pass is the best possible thing you can do and you could say like I'm holding the hope for you so if they're feeling in a really bad spot you could say, well, you know, I've got it. I'm, I'm holding that hope for you. It's That's right, right so here. nice. Oh, I love that. That's lovely. I might I might try and make a tangible bit of hope. <laughs> might find a tennis ball or something. Yeah, Hang something on. you can. Yeah, that's really nice. That even if they don't have that hope that you have it for them and you, yeah, you believe that they'll get through it. That's so nice. I think um, one of the other things that can be really helpful I don't know if this was covered in what they posted but about kind of offering quite specific help so for somebody and you might think that saying to them just let me know anything you need you can call day or night it doesn't matter just you know let me know what you need that can feel quite overwhelming for that person because there's no kind of boundaries there they'll be then stressing about oh gosh I feel like I might want to ask for this but is that too much or are they going to laugh it off and think that that's a silly request so actually offering some really specific help can be more helpful so things like saying in normal circumstances I'm going to come round let's go out for an hour what do you want to do should we go for a walk or should we go for a coffee or um, should we go to the cinema so they've got some sort of choice and control with it still but you're you're taking the initiative and taking that lead and suggesting help rather than just leaving it open-ended because that can actually feel quite difficult for them to then ask for help 
That is great advice. I, I think I've learned something there because I think I can definitely do that sometimes. Be like, you know where I am? Like, you know, mm. be, be quite vague, actually. And I think, yeah, that makes complete sense that it, it would be much... Because um, then you're taking... There's, yeah, there's no stress in that decision for them in terms of, mm. oh, yeah, I'll have a coffee. Like, it's a lot more straightforward. Yeah. And I think we all do that, don't we? We all say, you know, take care. You know where I am if you need me. Absolutely. We all say that. Everybody's got, you know, busy lives. And just I think just remembering also that people don't always reach out when they need help. So maybe you had a difficult conversation with a friend where they were down and you said to them, just tell me, you know, you know where I am, reach out to me. And you haven't heard from them for two weeks or three weeks or a month. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're okay. It just means that they haven't been able to reach out to you. So don't be afraid to take that initiative as well and sort of check in with them. The other one, um, when we were sort of getting ready for this, that that you mentioned was about comparing experiences, which I think I, yeah, I can learn on this one as well. Yeah, I think again, we probably all do that because it comes naturally. I think there's something in our ingrained in our human response that we want to make that person feel better so again like the whole responses with the chin up this will pass you know move on we want to kind of instill some positivity and I think by using your experience or, or an experience of somebody else that you've that you've known um is a natural response for you know so say somebody says I feel really low and I can't get out of bed if maybe you say, oh, I offended that. And actually they found it really helpful to, um, I don't know, do this, use this strategy. Actually, at that moment, particularly, I think, in those initial conversations you're having, that isn't always that useful. It's not to say that it won't be down the line and it's not to say that this is, you know, this is quite a generalisation for everybody. But I just think you you that first conversation particularly is about listening to them and not trying to impose this this advice necessarily onto them because it might not quite be the right time and it can feel a bit like you're overgeneralizing and feel a bit like you're not really understanding their particular situation because you've just said oh well I I felt like that and I did that and then I was okay because it might be really different for them is is there a thing and I can't remember what it's called where uh and they talk about oh I can't I always do this. I like mention something and half mention it and can't remember where I saw it. <laughs> something to do with how we have conversations and how the listening part, we've got quite a lot to learn because, and I guess this is how we interact. We are, we are preparing what we're then going to say, but actually mm. the listening bit is key, isn't it? Yeah, it's so key and active listening. So people talk about listening skills all the time, particularly in, you know, the world I work in with, you know, well-being and therapist listening skills is like the fundamental basic skill but active listening skills are quite different so actually not and you hit the nail on the head there you're they finished half of their sentence and you're already thinking about how you're going to respond because you want to say the right thing naturally you do so you're already formulating in your brain what you think you should say and then you've you're 50 tuned out to what they're saying yeah oh i didn't know what that's mm. it was called active listening active listening yeah and yeah I think just like there's lots of skills within counselling like reflecting back and um, paraphrasing the things that they're saying to show really show that you're listening to them rather than 
jumping ahead to the best advice that you think you should give them or the next thing that you that you feel you want to talk about actually make it about them and and really show that you are taking on board what they're saying and I I was thinking then about environment in terms of where you have those conversations it's just again coming back to what we're in at the moment um, maybe mm. I'm just thinking of ideas off the top of my head, maybe organising a virtual coffee or um, scheduling in that time to, to talk kind of so that then it's not, I mean, there I, I find there's certain people I'll sort of ring randomly, but then also it's quite nice sometimes to kind of schedule it in so you know, mm. and pro- probably if someone's struggling, that might be quite useful to know it's when it's when that conversation's coming. Mm. I think that would be super useful because if you imagine if you're feeling really low and then somebody just, you know, drops that on you with no no kind of notice or time to prepare, that can feel also, again, quite overwhelming and lead to them not actually being in the place to talk about it or not having thought about what they want to say. Yeah, so scheduling it in, I think, is, is always a good yeah, good thing to do, particularly now. I mean, people are just more isolated than ever, aren't they? And those people who want to talk about how they're feeling don't have that opportunity. So, yeah. I was going to quickly mention, you've mentioned them before, but I was just thinking I'll mention, mention Mind again, if you want to get any advice on all things mental health. They've got mm. good resources on there, haven't they? Yeah, Mind are really brilliant. And um the Samaritans actually have a really good resource about having a difficult conversation. So if you feel worried about somebody or you feel like you've maybe had a conversation with someone that hasn't gone well, they've got a really good resource, which is full of tips like this, like how to respond, what to say, what not to say. Um, And also one of the biggest things I think when you're supporting somebody is remembering not to feel like you have to make them better or resolve everything for them. That's not your, that's really not your, job I'm going to say job that makes it sound like a job and it's not (laughs) that's not your role it's you know they've they've particularly as a friend they've chosen to open up to you you know they trust you they they just want you to be there as a friend you're not expected to fix everything um and I think one of the important elements of that is knowing where to signpost them to so GP is always a really good start and you can offer to take them or go you probably can't go with them at the moment but maybe like writing down how they're feeling. I do that with a lot of my students because it can feel quite overwhelming for them to tell somebody and then have to go and repeat themselves to somebody else. So maybe suggest that you could sit and write down some of the things they've told you and they can then take that to the doctor. Um, And just, yeah, equip yourself with other, you know, local organisations and charities that you can signpost them to just to make sure that, you know, you're not kind of overstepping your own boundaries as well. That is such good advice because crucially you've got to take care of yourself Mm. importantly as well. Um, I think, was that the three things we were going to do this week for three things to look after yourself when you're trying to help someone? Is that how? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we like to finish on our little three things, don't we? And we, I think everybody at some point might find themselves in this position you know, particularly at the moment, I think it's quite common for you to know somebody that's having a difficult time. So yeah, let's do that. Three things that we do when we're supporting somebody. I, oh, oh, I can't remember. Whose turn is it to start? I can't remember. I don't know. I've lost track. So have (laughs) I. You go for it. You go for it. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I think just going back to what I just said a minute ago about, um, 
helping them to access professional support. So that might feel quite scary for them and it might not happen immediately, but just helping them to do that if you feel that that's relevant and if you feel concerned for them, it's not up to you to hold all of that and solve all of it for them. Um, and just, yeah, helping them to you kind of facilitating that first contact with their professional support. I don't know if this, this might just be me, so this might not be for everyone, but I I quite like, I think, well, obviously I'm doing a mental health podcast. I'm interested in this area. Um, so I quite like getting knowledge, like whether it's reading a book or mm. finding out a bit more about it. And, and don't, that's the thing. It might not be for everyone because you don't want to be overwhelmed with all of that. But if it's an area that you're interested in, it, it can be quite, um, yeah, you feel like you're learning and then also you're best equipped from like the, pe- like the you know, the professionals that have helped those kind of, you know, oh, I'm not making any sense today. You know what I mean? The <laughs> professionals that work in that area. Yes, that's yeah. what I need to say. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I really like that one. That's really good. And any, anything you can learn about what they're going through is going to help, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, I think it's important that you maybe also recognize that you might need to speak to somebody and that can be really tricky because you can feel like you're breaching their trust or you know they've confided in you and it's not your it's not your place to kind of share what they're going through with somebody else but it could be somebody that doesn't even know them someone that's completely disconnected to that you can you can make sure you don't use their name you can you know but I think just you you yourself talking to a friend or or a family member or a partner if you're supporting somebody can be really helpful because you know that they might be able to support you to support them a bit more um and just recognizing that it's important that you might need to kind of offload a bit as well oh that's a really good one Mm. that's really good um taking care of you i think the basic ones i'm just going to mention my fave the old sleep love sleep yeah i've got to get it in this podcast this episode (laughs) somehow but yeah making sure that your um your boundaries in terms of um you know that you're looking after yourself Mm. as well yeah super important i think that's so important i might also steal that one (laughs) for my third (laughs) just yeah like looking after yourself having your own boundaries not take not feeling like you're taking on all of their stuff and not um like I said before not feeling like you have to resolve it but being boundaried with yourself and not opening yourself up to being available 24 7 because it's just not realistic and um yeah I've oh gosh number three maybe prioritizing your with that self-care thing like your time where you find joy as well because again it depends what type of person you are I've mentioned earlier about being super sensitive I think I kind of like almost absorb stuff sometimes and then take it on as my own thing be like that somehow like I don't even know what that's called but where you almost take on the issue yourself Mm. and looking after yeah protecting the things that bring you joy yeah good one Mm. oh this has been a good one I think another quite deep and meaningful we've had today definitely I've learned loads again it's one of those ones I'm going to listen back make notes I think it was a really good chat actually and hopefully it's Mm. helped and it's it does feel quite scary and it's not you know 
like we said, people say make mistakes. Not everybody's going to get it right all of the time. But I think if we're moving in the right direction with it and people have more understanding of why this stuff is important, then that's all good. It's a good start. If you would like to get in contact, by the way, you can get us on email, helenandsteph at gmail.com. And on Instagram, we are helenandsteph underscore muddle three. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another topic. So look forward to you joining us then. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you soon. Bye.